Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we welcome fellow Edmonton cinephile and film scholar Neil Barnholden to cap off his month-long noir vember project with two classic Bollywood film noir from Indian cinema legends Devanand and Guru Dutt. First up, Anand stars as a down-on-his-luck gambler who takes a risky job offer from a shadowy mobster in Guru Dutt's 1951 directorial debut, Bozzy. Then, Anand stars as a police inspector who gets entangled in a dangerous game with a mobster when investigating the murder of his friend in 1956's C.I.D., directed by Raj Kosla and produced by Guru Dutt. So mobsters involved. Mobsters all around. Yeah, definitely in the film noir vein. People doing bad things in the dark. Yes. Yeah, that, that's pretty apt. Yeah. Quick description of film noir. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on uh, the show today, Neil. Yes, well, welcome. thank you for having me. Thanks so much. We yeah. are so excited to have you here. But first, uh, we have a bit of housekeeping, mm-hmm. and we have a new review, Matt. Yay! Yay! We love it when we get new reviews. Uh, this one comes from Ryan Curry. He gives us... Five stars. Nice, thank you. That's the correct amount of stars, by the way. Yes. (laughs) He says, fantastic podcast. Fellow Canadian Bollywood lover here. Ooh, Canadian Mm. and a Bollywood lover. I recently stumbled across this podcast, and I have been working my way through the older episodes. I wish that I would have discovered it earlier, since you started right around the same time that I began delving into Hindi cinema. It would have made it a bit easier for me in the early stages. Well, that was kind of part of why we started the podcast, was to introduce... Other cinephiles to Bollywood. Yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult uh, subject to broach on your own, so we yeah. try and help. Mm. We're glad you found us now, Ryan. Uh, he goes on to say, "You provide an informative and fun look at the most entertaining film industry in the world. The episodes have been a delight to listen to. I have been a fan and a student of world cinema for over fifteen years. It is enjoyable to hear two like-minded people discuss these films from a similar perspective." while never getting pretentious or condescending. I am so happy to have found Hindi Cinema and glad to have found this podcast. That is so nice. That's very nice. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. If you would like to be cool like Ryan, go to your local iTunes store and... (laughs) It's on your phone. You don't have to leave the house. (laughs) It's on your phone. Uh... You know, sign in and uh, leave us a review, preferably a five-star review. We promise to read all of our reviews on air. Yes. Uh, And we appreciate every single one of them. They really help new listeners discover the show and grow our Bollywood-loving family. Yes. So welcome. Um, But now, moving on to the topic of this week's episode. Neil, you are, we are breaking with tradition here because we wanted to get you in during, you know, your November project. So we needed to get you in in November, and we usually don't have guests on twice in a row. We made an exception for you. Wow, I feel yeah. so honored. You Thank should. You. Thank you so much. You should. Who are you, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> Tell, share, share with us and our listeners no, who no, you no. are and uh, where you're coming from. Your perspective. I'm used to seeing the dinosaur picture. <laughs> yes, I, I actually uh, my my avatar on Twitter uh, is a dinosaur, so I often have to prompt people to say, yeah. "Oh, I'm the dinosaur." Mm. I'm the di- if you're trying to remember this, the dinosaur. I understand. I was the ham from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird for. Really long time yeah but was, now i'm a i'm a uh, the girl in the little princess from the alfonso Cuaron film reading the ramayana i'm a picture of myself eating a big mac which is possibly the most popular thing i've ever done in my life because everyone loves this picture i highly suggest you check it out it's on my facebook and my twitter uh, I, i'm having a great time all right moving past our twitter profile images 
Uh, Neil, you're you're all over the place in the podcasting world, um, and you have a very interesting perspective on cinema. So. Oh, Tell uh, us who you are. Thank you so much for the yeah. flattery. Uh, so I, I'm the uh, sort of resident guy with a film degree on the podcast Witch Please mm-hmm. about the Wizarding Worlds of Harry Potter. They have to call it now by like that's the legal name now, right? Yes, I, th- I think yeah. that that is the name for this emergent intellectual property universe that's right. happening, the, mm-hmm. the Harry Potter cinematic universe, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Rolls off the tongue. It, it kind of does. It yeah. kind of doesn't. In some but way. now they're venturing into like stuff that doesn't even have Harry Potter in it. Yeah. No, it's true. Well, they ran out of Harry Potter uh, <laughs> some while ago. Then this new movie came out. There's going to be an episode about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, of course. Well, they might make a movie about that cursed child thing that reads like strange fan fiction. Well, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I got a bone to pick with these. I'm sorry. But if wizards were actually around during World War II, why didn't they help? Oh, it, it, the, that's only the tip of the iceberg of questions yeah. as to why the wizards acted that way. Why do the wizards, like, the wizards are just assholes. Like, well, here's the other thing. It turns out in the Salem Witch Trials, there were wizards and they did nothing. Great. Nothing. I <laughs> Thanks, mean, dudes. That would I'm really have been... starting to question, like, Rowling's worldview. Why do we like <laughs> these people? It's a good question. It's yeah, good question. yeah. Well, and you know, you can find the answers to those questions and so much more <laughs> on, on which, which please. please. There that, we go. That yeah. is yeah. a recurring which please <laughs> dilemma, problematic thing that we try to solve. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I also recent ju- just a few weeks ago started a podcast of my own, which is called Plot Device Podcast, mm-hmm. which you can find at Twitter at Plot Device Pod. Uh, and the premise of that show is that we talk about movies that don't exist because mm-hmm. we invent them over the span of each episode. So, I like how film podcasts have got to this place where like, there's so many and everyone's trying to do a different thing. But now we have podcasts about movies that don't exist. Yes. Right, that's really yeah. cool. That's like if Borges had a podcast. It would be about <laughs> movies that never happened. Thanks. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, that's kind of what we were going for. Ooh, cool. Okay. No, not Borges specifically, okay. although that's a really flattering reference to me. You could call it the video store of Labyrinth. Or, yeah. Like, tie in the Labyrinth motif that mm-hmm. he uses all the time. Video video babble or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a Talon Ukbar Orbis uh, movie podcast. <laughs> That's potentially the most nerdiest thing I've ever said in the entire wow, world. Wow, the stakes are high. Yeah. When coming up with your plots, all movies are better with singing and dancing in them. It turns out. It turns out. Yeah, we haven't tackled a musical yet. If um, you can get a dog in there, that's... People. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay. maybe I'll, a singing and dancing dog. Try I gotta work take that into every plot. <laughs> I, I gotta take some notes. Try to work that in. Yeah, I think, I think you should. I think it would be worthwhile. Uh, and you're also, you know, a film scholar and a fellow cinephile. So, um, what would you say are your kind of like areas of expertise in some of your favorite movies? Because you, this is these are your first Bollywood films, right? That yes, they absolutely are. Uh, my areas of interest are very much kind of uh, exploitation movies, mm-hmm. uh, science fiction film. Uh, I've gone through phases of really intense silent movie mm-hmm. uh, fandom, I guess. This is why I liked you. Oh, to begin with, I was like, ooh, because okay. I watch love a, silent movies and, and you there's watch, not uh, a lot of people watching them regularly yeah. and discussing mm. them. You watch uh, serials as well? I noticed that on Twitter. You talk about those. Yes. Yeah. I, I went, earlier this summer, I went through a phase of watching about five 1930s serials mm-hmm. in a row, which is in some ways fascinating and in some ways the most mind-numbing thing mm-hmm. you could do. <laughs> They're definitely not built for binge-watching. No, no. No. But no 
know, these are, and just to clarify, these are serials that used to be shown uh, mm. in theaters in the 1930s, not, because um, in some like parts of the world. food? <laughs> no, not television shows. In some parts of the world, TV oh, shows are called serials. That's, that's a good point. Well, and I, I think actually the, the thing about the movie serials is that no one was ever supposed to watch, no. to sit down and watch the three hours no. of, you know, Dick Tracy from 1937. Or the Perils of Pauline. Yes. Like yeah. you, would just, you would just watch it before your, your feature. You'd get, what, 15 minutes or so? Yeah, it used to be part of the program. I mean, yeah. you'd have that and the, the Nickelodeon picture, and a cartoon, yeah, the B picture, right? Yeah. The newsreel. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know the the Warner Brothers DVDs uh, recreate that. Uh, oh, cool! But oh, they do, they don't have B movies on them, but they mm-hmm. recreate the uh, short shorts and cartoons. And oh, stuff, and then you can so. curate your own B movie. Yeah, you can. You can. Although I discovered, in the interest of historicity, that those are not the real. Uh, programs that they would show in the really? 1930s. Oh. They faked them. They've That's chosen ones down. that are related, huh. that are thematically connected. They just probably don't have the... They probably don't have the material. You know, they might not have them at all. Yeah. 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 No, so uh, th- those are my areas of interest. I mean, I, I think I have a very sort of omnivorous uh, scope, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. because of uh, who I am and where I've grown up, it's uh, mostly Western movies, mostly yeah. North American um, yeah, yeah. Well, so that's kind of like everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's, true, it's true. Where does the interest in film noir come from? Uh, the interest in film noir actually comes from a series that the Pacific Cinematheque used to mm. do in Vancouver. They used to I have do... the t-shirts. Yes, mm-hmm. I have the double indemnity them... t-shirts. I've made... Oh, yeah, I should have worn that. I've made them send them to me. <laughs> Those <laughs> are like, great shirts. Send them emails and be like, can you send me this t-shirt? Oh. I'm in Edmonton. And they've done it. That's amazing. They've done it like a couple times. I did go to back to Vancouver, not to get that T-shirt, but that was one of the things I did. No, I uh, yeah, French benefit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm uh, from Vancouver, so I used to go to the Cinematheque a lot um, once I was legally of age to do so. And every summer they used to do an entire month of film noir, and they mm-hmm. did a really good job of choosing lesser known yeah. uh, ones. I mean, I saw Leave Her to Heaven. They oh, were wow. in a restoration, I think. They they did one of uh, episodes of TV that Alfred Hitchcock directed, mm-hmm. which is an interesting concept on it. Um, just lots of good sort of forgotten or lesser known film noir movies. And so that's kind of where it started. Hmm. So strangely, not with the really big name yeah. movies, mm-hmm. although those are a delight to discover all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we should probably explain what film noir is. Yeah. Because for... I find it's a it's a term that... Many people have heard, and sometimes people know the signifiers, but... Well, some people commonly, think it just means a black and white movie. Yes, I have, yeah. I have come across yeah. people like that. But commonly, kind of misunderstood, whereas mm-hmm. us, who've all kind of studied this stuff in school, we have a very clear and specific understanding well, of, what, of what film noir is. I mean, the problem is that it's a mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not a genre. It's not a genre. It's not a, yes. just a visual style. So you can tell any story in a film noir yeah. style. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a film noir, Great Gatsby, mm-hmm. right? Which is great. I highly recommend it. Although it's, I don't think it's legally available. <laughs> Sorry. Nah, we okay. access all of our movies legally here. Yeah. There's a noir uh, version of Hamlet, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, some of the hallmarks of film noir include um, chiaroscuro lighting, really hard whites and blacks mm-hmm. with the light, uh, Dutch angles, um, sort of expressionist uh, backdrops and you know staging, mm-hmm. but then also using the uh, hard-boiled stories from the 20s uh, detective pulps. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's kind of a basis for film noir. And then it metamorphosed into all kinds of weird stuff after that. 
very yeah. pessimistic worldview as well. A lot of kind of um, down-on-their-luck protagonists who are seduced by attractive women and end up in kind of these entanglements that eat them up and that are yeah. kind of beyond their control. Sometimes it feels like the tone of film noir is maybe the most important yeah. part to it, I think. Yeah. Uh, if we're ta- I mean, if we're talking about... Uh, film noir and what it eventually became. I think neo-noir, or the movies that mm-hmm. follow film noir, are even harder to mm-hmm. define, but they do yeah. share that tone, that yeah. pessimism, that cynicism, mm-hmm. that kind of... Uh, yeah. yeah, so the main period is um, kind of the mid-40s to the early 50s in Hollywood cinema, and it was a term that was uh, codified, like a, a body that was only kind of discovered after the fact. So yeah. at the time, you the know, French, filmmakers... The French figured it out. Yeah, yeah. Filmmakers were not saying, oh, we're making another film noir. It was just kind of naturally coming out of... Oh, the, I have $40,000 and I have to make a movie in five well, this Exactly. This a lot of the a... production limitations. And yeah. It wasn't until the French critics after the Second World War were watching everything that they drew these connections and then started to publish these essays and books. There's a great quote, I think it's uh, by Robert Mitchum, who says that they, they had no idea they were making film noir. They thought they were just making cheap movies. Yes. Yeah! And he says, you know, the kind of movies where you'd have to bring your own cigarettes to the set. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great quote. Yes, that's perfect. Uh, what are everyone's favorite films noir? Hmm. Hmm. Pretty fun of Out of the Past. Oh, that's that was a, a great line. I love Out of the Past. One. Yeah, I really love Gilda too. Gilda, which supposedly Bozzy has some uh, of Gilda's DNA in it. They kept yeah. saying that when we were reading about it. I saw that on Wikipedia, unsourced though. Yeah, yes, that's sure a good point. That. Unsourced. Yeah. I really like uh, the Killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a yeah. great one. And I think the Third Man counts. Oh, it's, counts it's late and it's British. Visually, yeah. Late uh, and British, but and one British. of the best ones. Asphalt Jungle. Oh, awesome. yeah. Detour is Detour. one of the greatest movies that was made for nothing. Yeah. Ever. Crisscross. Crisscross. Yeah. Crisscross was cool. Man, lots, lots of great movie recommendations mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Uh, but we're not a podcast. Oh, and so the Norvember Project. What is Norvember? Yeah. Oh, Norvember is an idea that uh, several pe- people on Twitter often... Um, indulge in and they put it as a hashtag as they're reporting movies that they've Mm -hmm. seen but it's essentially the idea of a themed month of film viewings uh for me in october i had watched a long series of horror movies Mm -hmm. and i felt like i needed a kind of break with that i mean you wanted to to cheer yourself up exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I want Nothing to, cheerier than film noir yeah tales of uh crime and inescapable destiny (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah, so I sort of stepped into a genre adjacent to horror, but uh, yeah, no, Noir Vember, I think it just kind of rolls off the tongue mm-hmm. uh, as the name of it, but it's, it seems to be a sort of social media thing, mm-hmm. a hashtag, essentially. That's how I understand it. And you really focused on kind of classic noir, um, mm-hmm. so, so neo-noir would be kind of, you know, contemporary 70s and films on. noir, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, Chinatown being the, probably the best example. Yeah. Exactly. Or the Big Lebowski. Um, Sure. You know what? A kind of film noir. Uh, And I noticed you were kind of sticking very much with the classic period, but we're we're branching out and watching some international stuff because I saw you watch The Blue Angel. And I'm really interested in doing that. I had watched The Blue Angel as a kind of proto noir, one Mm -hmm. of these movies that, for temporal and national reasons, sort of can't be a film noir, but is often thrown in there or often sort of... Well, I mean, noir was heavily influenced by German expressionism. Oh, and when when you watch The Blue Angel, you can see it's so much like um, uh, The Woman in the Window, Mm -hmm. right? The later Edward G. Robinson movie. Yeah, and so many German uh, expats went to Hollywood. Yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And made noirs. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. they called get fucked in Brockton <laughs> So we gave you the task of, uh, well, I mean, we gave you options, but you eventually chose watching two classic Bollywood films that are heavily influenced by American films noir. Yeah, would you call these noir? I would call them noir, yeah. yes. Both have surprisingly vi- happy endings. Both in visual style and in tone? And uh, Well, I would say that the tone maybe varies from American noir mm-hmm. uh, fairly noticeably. But I think that the themes are very noir. Uh, the characters, uh, the, some of the characters are very recognizable mm-hmm. archetypes from this kind of these kinds of movies. The situations, but I also think visually, mm-hmm. and I mean, there is a difference between, as you were saying, Aaron, just a movie that's in black and white and a movie that's film <laughs> yeah. noir. And you, you can tell yeah. Yeah. these movies are not just incidentally in black and white. No. There's lots yeah. of Venetian blinds. Lots. <laughs> It's fascinating that these are coming out concurrently with kind of the end of the noir period. And before or right around the time that noir was being codified and discovered. And so it's interesting to me that these Indian filmmakers were kind of attuned to this. When a lot of the rest of the world, like we don't really start to see the film noir movement in Japanese cinema until the 60s. Yeah. Well, yeah. and uh, the Nakatsu stuff. Nakatsu stuff. And you also get uh, like... German new wave, you don't like mm-hmm. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was you were they were kind of waiting for the revitalization of all of these film factories, mm-hmm. revitalization of their talent and their modus mm-hmm. operandi. You had to do all that before you could start looking back at the old genres and trying to reinvent them. But it seems like in India they just kind of just went with it. Well, and I mean that is something that you know we see a lot in Indian cinema and specifically in well, no, across all Indian cinemas is uh, remaking Hollywood movies. But this doesn't feel to me like just grabbing the plots and, and remaking them like we see with a lot of other Bollywood films. This feels like to me like genuine kind of um, artistic inspiration mm-hmm. and taking that and making something that's similar but very Indian. Yes. It, it is interesting that uh, the sort of endemic corruption in the police force, which you see a little bit of in these two, that's in every Indian movie. That's really The cops are always corrupt or they're like super badasses who you love. Yeah. Right. So right. corruption, strong theme. Yeah. Like that that just bolted on nice and easy. It worked fine. Yeah. So we wanna talk a bit here about Devanon and Gurudet because it's the first time we've mentioned them on the podcast and they are huge within um, both the Bollywood film canon and Indian cinema in general. Um, so Devanath's career spanned more than 65 years, and he appeared in more than 114 Hindi films. It's kind of low. Um. <laughs> I mean, it's not Amitabh Bachchan, though. It's not Amitabh Bachchan. It's not Superstar Rajnikanth. But, uh, it's pretty up there, though. It's, it's a solid amount of movies. It's pretty up there. Uh, he was often compared to Gregory Peck. Which I found really interesting. Hmm, that's um, really interesting. And he met Peck on a number of occasions. <laughs> that's really interesting. I, so- I can sort of see where that's coming yeah, from. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can. Uh, he was a huge superstar in um, the 50s, uh, which is when his career really started to take off. And, then and where these movies were watching take place yes. as well. Yeah. And then especially in the 60s where he really became kind of everyone's favorite romantic hero. A hmm. uh, Shah Rukh Khan of his day. Um, hmm. Although I would say his style is very different than Shah Rukh Khan. Um, in his early years, he was often paired with the actress... Oh, now I get to pronounce a name that I haven't tried to say before. Um, Soraya. Soraya, yes. Yeah. Uh, and whom he shared an intense love affair with off-screen. Um, he even saved her from drowning in a scene where her boat capsized. 
Wow. So that's probably one of those things that was being referenced in Om Shanti Om, huh? I think so. It's one of those, like, legends. Uh, her family was against the possibility of marriage, though, and so they had to go their separate ways. Uh, he started his own production house with his brother, Chetan Anand, um, whose film won grand, the grand prize at the first Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, Nietzsche uh, Nagar. Yeah. Oh. And there was more than one... Like I, I read some sources saying that it won the first Palm d'Or, but there was a grand prize for more than one film, so Brief Encounter was also included among Okay among this. Okay. Um But that's Navkatan who did Navkatan films. Navkatan yeah. films who did Bazi, which we just watched. Yes. Oh, okay. And well and it was one of their first films. Yeah. Um but again I just find this fascinating because Indian cinema is so underlooked uh mm-hmm. in the world stage. But the first Khan's film festival, like an Indian film was one of the top Top prize earners. That is quite um, and then, I mean, then obviously Satya Ray had a lot of success at cons, but and Mother India probably. Yeah, but we've seen a, yeah. a decline mm-hmm. um, since the heyday of the fifties. Well, he we had we had Titley, which uh, Let's that not was talk. at cons. Stop it! it that, no one was you know, raving about Titley after cons. I would call Titley a noir, but I. Stop. Hated it. It's a garbage movie. But. Stop talking about Titley Map. Yeah. I never want to think about that movie again. Um, he made his directorial debut in 1970 with Prem Pujari. And he's been honored with the Padma Bhushan, which is the third highest civilian award in India, and the Dada Saheb Falke, uh, which is the highest Indian film award. He also has two film for awards for Best Actor, one for Best Film for Guide, and a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, Falke. Uh, when I was reading about him, he's kind of like the, uh, the, uh, Melies of India. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so early silent film, kind of fantasy, special effects, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. His other notable films include Ziti, Taxi Driver, Paying Guest, Kalapani, Guide, Johnny Maranam. And, uh, his last film, Charge Sheet, came out in 2011 and he died shortly after. Uh, so what did, this was my first encounter with Devanad, and I'm assuming both of yours as well. What what did you guys think of him? Hmm. Um, Could you see why he was such a huge and influential figure in, in Indian cinema based on these two performances? He's got a sort of boyish uh, charm that he kind of plays on in both of these. Yeah, I thought he was very charismatic in yeah. both of these movies in mm-hmm. uh, fairly different roles, but mm-hmm. uh, you could see... A similarity there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he wasn't really called on to dance in these very much. No, I and you know what? I haven't read anything about him dancing at all. Yeah, mm. so it seems like he's more in the classical, almost Hollywood-style star mm-hmm. who doesn't have to be a triple threat like you do nowadays. Yeah. Huh. I mean, that's not to say that he hasn't danced in a film. Just I in just, these early ones, we didn't in see In the it. research, no. Yeah. no one ever mentioned his dancing, so... Oh. I don't mm-hmm. know. That is very interesting. I think the like, he has a very kind of a striking presence, mm-hmm. yes. um, while also kind of still looking like a really normal dude. Like he's not aggressively handsome, but there's something about his—I don't know—he seems so laid back. Well, I was kind of thinking if they remade. Well, I don't know if Cal Penn can speak Hindi, but if they wanted to make a movie about him, he's kind of got a Cal Penn everyman sort of look to him. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I, he seems like a, a good-looking, normal person who yeah. is charismatic, but I, I agree, not uh, kind mm-hmm. of unapproachable 
you know, up on a pedestal kind of figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also want to give a shout out to uh, our last co-host and our friend Shasha Heed, because uh, he recently put up an article on Devanon on Indian Screen. Yeah, it's really uh, good. Which helped us with, uh, with some of the research for this. So if you're interested in, in more about his legacy, go check that out. We'll include a link. Um, so then... We also need to say some things about Guru Dutt, uh, who was an actor, director, and producer, and is considered one of the greatest directors in Indian cinema and around the world. Um, so in uh, Sight and Sound polls, as well as the Time 100 list of the 100 best films of the 20th century, uh, he's referenced, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, a pretty big deal considering outside of people interested in Indian cinema and Bollywood, um, most people really could maybe list Sajit Ray, maybe yeah, Bill yeah. Roy, mm-hmm. um, but Guru Dutt is right up there um, in the the same breath. He yeah. has the, the same amount of esteem. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made an agreement with Devanad early on um, where Anand promised that he would hire him uh, to uh, direct a film if he was producing one, and Dutt promised to hire Anand to star in a film. And the two films that we're actually discussing today are like came out of this promise. Okay. And so, okay. Uh, yeah, so Bazi was one of the first films that uh, that Devanon uh, made with his film production company, and he hired Dutt to direct it, fulfilling the promise. And then when Dutt produced CID, he hired Anand to star in it. Oh, so these are kind of two halves of the bargain. Almost. Yeah, okay. exactly. And they had met earlier um, in a film that Devanand was starring in, and uh, Dutt had a, a role in as well. Um, he made films in a variety of genres, but he's best remembered for those that focus on uh, the plight of the struggling artist. So mm-hmm. artists who feel disillusioned. Uh, like a Mr. Holland's opus. <laughs> no, not like a Mr. Holland's opus, no. <laughs> artists who feel disillusioned and at odds with contemporary society. I feel like... We all know that kind of shtick. Well, I think this lives on in the films of MTS Ali, for sure. Yeah. Rockstar, Tamasha, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's Well, and Tamasha has a... Well, not Guru Dutt, but Tamasha has a direct quote of Devanon. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ranbir Kapoor kind of puts mm-hmm. on the hat and pretends he's Devanon for a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is a genre that has not gone away. Yeah. And uh, the most important film... Um, around this perception of Dutt is um, Kagaz K. Pool, um, which was India's first cinemascope film and a huge box office disaster. But and the last film he directed because it was it failed so much, he didn't want to direct a film after that, so he only produced. Um, but is now considered a classic and a landmark in Indian cinema. Uh, other notable films include Jal, which he co-starred with Devanan. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. 55, and Piazza, which uh, is also in that struggling artist vein. Um, he died in 1964 at the age of, I believe it's 39, um, of either suicide or an accidental overdose. Um, some sources I read said it was a suicide. Mm-hmm. Others said it may have been an accidental overdose. Uh, he tried to commit suicide before, so mm. it wouldn't have been surprising if it had been. Struggling artist. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he did kind of, uh, in some ways, uh, live his own narrative. Yeah. 
I gotta say, it's very impressive to be ranked so highly in international lists, not only being from a country that is sort of sidelined in Western mm -hmm. narratives, but also having died at the age of 39. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I mean, he directed I... enough movies before the age of 39 yeah. to be that acclaimed. Exactly. Very impressive. I thought a bit of... Um... Rainer Werner Fassbender? No, Monoclonatoire. Uh, I was thinking of Fassbender, who died yeah. very late, you know, mid-30s. Uh, Monoclonatoire would be... Uh, Jutra. Jutra. Oh, Jutra. I thought a bit yeah. of Claude yeah, Jutra, Jutra, who also you know, directed few films, committed yeah. suicide, and was not, considered yeah. a very important director in Canada yeah. up until some uh, allegations were made about right. him, which we won't yeah. get into. Yeah, not so much these days. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for a, a long time was really the only Canadian director that anyone, uh, talked about on a world stage. Yeah. Um, and Dad is really known for having... Social realism. Yeah. For, there's a certain amount of social realism in his films, but also for being an auteur and, yeah. and bringing kind of that style mm -hmm. to Indian cinema. And I think we see that in, in these two films that he's had a hand in. Like, there's a real kind of point of view. Mm -hmm. They're definitely trying to evoke um, the downtrodden. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed over kind of our period of, you know, watching and discussing and researching Bollywood cinema is that tourism can very much be applied to producers as well. Mm -hmm. um, because so many directors are also starting their own production companies and producing films. And you really see like a strong authorial vein through that as well as with the directors. Mm -hmm. It's really right. interesting because it kind of goes against, I think, you know, tenets that we hold about the auteur theory. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I really see like a strong vein with the producers. Do you find that to be the case, especially in Bollywood? Um, well, I'm not as well versed in other Indian cinemas as I am in Bollywood. So okay. I would say yes from okay. what I've seen. But again, I don't know... Um, if that is the case in Tamil cinema or Malayalam cinema or Bengali cinema, because I really don't know much about Bengali cinema outside of Sajjat Ray. <laughs> okay. okay. And, and some Bill Roy stuff. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good time for Interval. Yes, I think that leads us to Interval. So we have chosen a song from Bazi. We will be playing a sample of Suno Gaja Kya Gaye from Bazi. So... Enjoy this uh, sample of the song, and we'll see you on the other side. Suno gajar kya gaye, samay guzarta jaye, aur din wale aur bhule bhale sona na, sona na. Suno gajar kya gaye. So that was Suno Gaja Kya Gaye from Bazi. This is a, from a pivotal moment at the end of the movie where uh, songstress uh, Nina is wearing a hat that reminded me of an open tin can on her head. <laughs> but open it, it's can of soup. An right? open can of soup. I specifically I said soup. But, it, but it's, it's supposed to be like a, uh, a uh, cobra's head. We think. We think. These aren't the best transfers, unfortunately. Yeah. So we caught Bozzy on uh, iTunes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it looked okay. CID, I think, looked a lot worse. Yeah. yeah. That was a very low quality print. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Aaron, uh, can you set up Bozzy for our spirited discussion to follow? For sure. It was the uh, second film from 
Navcatan Films. Uh, the title means gamble. Yeah. Um, but not Gambler, because Devin and I will make another film <laughs> entitled Gambler. Okay. The title means uh, Gamble. It was the first film directed by Guru Dutt. It stars Devin Nod, as we've mentioned, as Madhan, uh, Gita Bali as Nina, Kalpana Karthik as Rajani, and uh, Kalpana Karthik would go on to marry Devin Nod. Uh, so they were oh. a couple in real life. Oh. Yeah, they got married on this uh, while they were making Taxi Driver. Um, and... RN's Which was remade later by uh, Scorsese. <laughs> yes. You've and K.N. Singh as Ranjani's father. Um, according to Wikipedia, yeah. I could not find any other sources that substantiated this. It was inspired by Charles Vitor's Gilda. We'll get into that on whether we feel that that's like a just comparison. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, one of Anad's first big hits. It was also obviously Guru Dutt's first big hit. This was his first film he directed. Um, and very much kind of launched the career of both of these people. Um, so the film follows Madhan, who is kind of like, he used to be more respectable and from a more well off family, but he's kind of down on his luck. He's resorted to gambling. And his sister becomes ill. Mm-hmm. And in order to care for her, he takes a job for this local gangster who owns the Club Star? Star, Star Club? Club. Star yeah. Club? Yeah. Uh, and what he's responsible for is kind of going to nicer hotels, nicer clubs, and luring kind of rich, desperate men back to Star Club in order for them to waste all their money in their illegal gambling dens. He's like a procurer, I guess you'd say. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's also kind of in love with his sister's doctor. Um, Very kind of like... Rajani. Surprisingly progressive character. Yeah, for 1951. Yeah, I was... Yeah. uh, A woman doctor. Uh, And she's very well off and uh, really wants to help Madhan and his sister... But, you know, Matt Han's pride kind of gets in the way. You know, he really wants to romance her, so mm-hmm. he takes He wants to be job. on equal terms, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, at Star Club Star? Star, Star Club. Club. <laughs> I don't know why I can't get this right. Well, Star at Star Club, Club uh, he strikes up a friendship with uh, Nina, who is a songstress there. She's, you know, kind of the she main... She does the floor show. She does the floor show, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. the main kind of uh, entertainment attraction. Um, and Matt Han is kind of... I guess you don't really see a lot of this, but the main kind of conflict other than his sister uh, being ill is that he can't really carry the favor of Rajani's father um, because he is of lower class. And lo and behold, you know, spoiler a bit behind the scenes, Rajani's father is really just trying to get him out of the way. Yeah. Um, I really liked this. I, I thought this too. had yeah. a lot of style and I thought it was really engaging and I could definitely see the noir connections while also feeling like it was firmly rooted in Bollywood partly because there's many musical numbers yeah yes. so Neil I wanted to ask you so it's one of the sort of hallmarks of a Bollywood movie is that generally the plot goes on longer than you would assume these are short yeah this, this, these, these are short only like yeah. two, a little bit over two hours okay. but there's there's generally more of a character arc like this follows about three months of uh, Manhattan's life where I think in film noir it would maybe be a week or two like he would get caught up in this game and then something bad would happen I, I think even if that to yeah. be honest there's I think there's there's a lot of classic film noir movies that almost take place in not day, in real time but in yeah. a day yeah, yeah. DOA yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. right? 
But but this one, like, it does kind of show a rise and fall of this guy mm-hmm. arc over the course of months. And I was wondering, you know, do you think that noir works at such an extended length of time? Well, you know, this is an interesting thing that I noticed about this movie. Uh, well, bo- both of these, but this one in particular, which is that I feel that Hollywood movies in this time, and especially film noir, relied on the flashback. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In, I felt that this Out story, of the past. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was imagining this story sort of how would this look as a Hollywood noir, and I can't help but think that it would start much closer to the end of the story mm-hmm. and flash back to explain the events that had led up to this. It was really interesting yeah. to see it in a linear fashion. Yeah. It would be him kind of in the jail cell about to be yes. hanged, kind of Just saying, this is how I got to this That place. could be either of these two movies, by the way. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yeah. There's no, he reaches the same point. Yeah. Right? There's no voiceover narration, which I think That's is true. kind of like one of the most obvious kind of stylistic uh, tools in in noir, mm-hmm. none of that, but a lot of Dutch angles I haven't and thought about Venetian windows, yes. <laughs> Venetian window blinds casting shadows, a lot of shadows. Yes, yeah. I you know unfortunately, uh, Indian cinema hasn't been well preserved. I mean, kind of famously, we almost lost the Apu trilogy, and the Criterion Collection had to, and Janus Films had to go through kind of a lot of extreme lengths to kind of procure copies of those films and restore them. They've Mm -hmm. done an excellent job, but there's a lot of other, you know, 50s, classic 50s Indian films Mm -hmm. that haven't received that treatment. And unfortunately, neither of these films are kind of in optimal shape, though the transfers weren't bad. They were certainly watchable, but I can only imagine watching this film, like how rich Mm -hmm. this would look, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. on a pristine 35 millimeter print. I thought that too. Because the shadows, like the shadow play, I thought was really impressive. Mm-hmm. I thought that too. These seem like direct transfers mm-hmm. from the yeah. print with no restoration. They remind me of uh, sort of the treatment that public domain film noir yeah. gets, where like there's, there's no yes, exactly, yeah, detour. But I, I know, I know what you mean. You can you can sort of perceive a kind of richness that should be there, mm-hmm. which isn't quite there. I was trying to pay attention to the focus at various points, mm-hmm. and there's. An interesting depth of field at various points, but it's not really done uh, any service by the quality of this print. No, and and then the, uh, worse in the second movie, yeah, in CID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But going back to what we were talking about before, like the the overall plot arc of this. Yes. How did you How did you like it? Because generally in Bollywood movies, you kind of want maybe a whole person's whole life or oh. a gigantic series of events that leads up to the end of the movie. Well, sometimes, not all the films. But, but it, that that you get that a lot more yeah. in Bollywood movies, I think, like the epic story. More sweeping, yeah. more kind of. That's really interesting. I mean, I it seemed to me like this was very much an episode in the character's life, mm-hmm. you know, a very key episode mm-hmm. uh, in his life, but um, yeah, it did seem very episodic, you know. I mean, it ends with the promise of sort of what's going to happen next. It begins with events that already happened. The hearty handshake at the end, if I remember <laughs> the, right. Yes, a, a real warm <laughs> handshake between the characters. I have a question for you two okay. about the equivalent of a film production code, but maybe we can wait a little sure. bit later. Is, is that something that was mandated, uh, this sort of ending where everything seems to be going for a kiss and then doesn't? I think that's... Social mores, because you kind of get a lot of that now. It continues. Well, it is really complicated. Like, at one point, like, earlier in Indian cinema, there was a lot more kissing, um, and Mm -hmm. people thought it was 
scandalous and okay. improper and then like pre-code Hollywood exactly right. yeah okay. and then you okay. know the censor board came in and they put an end to all kissing and it isn't until kind of like contemporary Bollywood that you're really starting to see um, a more fluid or more sexual kinds of scenes which include kissing to the extent that uh, Befik Ray this film that's coming out in a, in a couple of weeks from Aditya Chopra has kind of built its marketing campaign around the two stars kissing. It's and the pe- makeup movie. Yeah, huh. and people are saying that it's like too much. Interesting. <laughs> like Interesting. It's too much. Why are they kissing in every poster? Why is there a song where everyone is kissing? Yeah. Uh, so it's no longer the taboo it once was. Um, so for example, uh, Shah Rukh Khan had never uh, kissed in a film until uh, uh, um, I believe it's Yash Chopra's um, Jab Tak Hai so that would be 25 years into his career. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. He'd never, like, kissed a woman on screen. And he is the, one of the biggest movie stars in the entire world. Right. Um, okay. Richest, second only to Jerry Seinfeld. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so it's not that surprising. And, I mean, Bollywood has also developed a lot of codes to signal sexuality. And you, I, you do kind of see some That's of them That's what the here. musical scenes are all about. So what the musical scene's all about, um, especially musical scenes in Rain, we don't quite have one of those, but also the dancing around the trees. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Phallic. I wondered. I wondered. Yeah. So, yeah, the, <laughs> the hearty handshake at the very end of this film definitely that didn't does surprise kind of us, seem but, uh, yeah. odd. <laughs> it, it, I will say it struck me as odd, although I was, I was prepared to not grasp the social context of what was happening in this movie, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It, you know, that... Let's say it continues to this day. I'll say. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's you just get used to it. It's a uh, mm-hmm. different uh, style of uh, storytelling. Yeah, a different exactly. set of signifiers. Like again, we are starting to see full on sex scenes in in Bollywood movies now. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Devanad would eventually start to push uh, boundaries. He made a film, and I believe it's 1995, um, that is notable for having a um, nude rape scene. Hmm. Uh, so, hmm. okay, you know, or something like Perinda in the eighties. I mean, that got pretty graphic, both violence and uh, sexuality wise. Yeah, hmm. yeah. But for nineteen fifty one, I don't think we're at all surprised. That's not see. too far from what the Hollywood version. No, was. no, 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 not not yeah. too far at all. Actually, although I did notice the scene where uh, Nina is shot actually seems considerably more graphic than what you would see in a Hollywood movie, where it's it's not mm-hmm. it, she doesn't sort of discreetly turn away from the camera. I believe that you see blood on her back, which yeah. is quite a difference yeah. from what would be it's in any Hollywood that. movie. Ah. Yeah. No, it's much more, and and also she doesn't sort of just fall down and and is dead. Devonon slips on. on the gun, which oh my yes, god, yes, laughed about a little bit. I loved that moment because I love when movies sort of bother to point out that something totally extraneous could happen here, and it's yeah. just kind of yeah, he slips on the gun. Well, he also you know he it's picks like it up. It's like a banana peel. He picks yeah. it up. He wonders about it, and then he thinks, oh, I should wipe the fingerprints off this. Like it, you know, he was just thinking it through in real time. Yeah, it's. It's interesting yeah. to see that portrayed yeah. in a movie, actually. What did you guys think of the characterization here? So how do you think Mad Hen fits into kind of your tw- typical noir protagonist? And then also how do you feel uh, Nina and Rajani fit in kind of a, the grander scheme of what we see of women in noir films? Because they strike me as very different from, mm-hmm. from what you see in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I would say that Mad Hen is probably, a, up until the last 20 minutes of the movie, a lot more... Uh, optimistic than most mm-hmm. uh, noir heroes would be. He's not quite as 
fatalistic, even though his life is pretty bad. Yeah. Things are not going that great for him. His sister's got tuberculosis, but um, he has to gamble to survive. I think my favorite scene in the movie is when he has to go get 20 bucks, and he runs into his old gambling cronies and says, can I, can I borrow 20 bucks off you? They're like, you can play for it. Yeah. Can't even borrow 20 bucks. So that was... Um, that rang pretty noir to me. He's he's not the classic noir hero. I think uh, the character in CID is a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Any number of detectives, but uh, uh, Rajani, you know she's she's a modern character. She's oh, yeah. not too far off from Karina Kapoor in Utabunja, really. Mm, this yeah, is an, this is an archetype that has uh, lasted for sixty-five <laughs> years. Mm-hmm. Lady she's, Doctor. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know how noir she is. I mean, she certainly has a noir family. <laughs> but herself, she is kind of that, um, you know, that streak of light that illuminates everything else. It's interesting because there's a shot where she's at her desk and um, the Venetian blinds are creating this, like, barred shadow over her. But it's not... It, it feels like a, like simply a stylistic choice. Like, it doesn't feel like it's supposed to signal any sort of, like, imprisonment yeah. in no, any way. No, or that she's, like, dubious in any sense, which I found really interesting because I was like, this is the langu- language of noir, yeah. but without really that meaning. Well, it's strange because it, it, in that scene, it looks like she's brooding, mm-hmm. but she's not, based on what, what has just happened and what's about to happen in that scene. She, she's not actually in a sort of dark yeah. space at all. Yeah. I know, that, that was quite interesting. I Doing what Aaron was suggesting and comparing her to a sort of comparable character in Hollywood, it's really hard to think of a character uh, like uh, like her in... Yeah. I mean, I, I, nothing comes to mind, actually, She has so much agency. Like, she sticks up to her father and says, like, no, I She's don't want to marry... She can do whatever she wants. Yeah, yeah I don't want to marry this guy. This nerdy cop. And, and you know, like, I, I continue to advocate that, you know, Bollywood cinema is in some ways a lot more progressive in their views of gender roles than oh, yeah. many people would expect, and certainly than you see in Hollywood, because, yeah, I, I could not think... For 51, yeah. Yeah. But comparable. You would occasionally get like a lady scientist in something like Forbidden Planet, maybe. Or, well, but she would still be subservient to the men. Or you would get, you know, something like uh, uh, like Caught or something, right? Where the whole movie is based on her getting away from this toxic, wealthy yeah. man, right? But it's not that she's. It's not that she really has agency. The whole movie is her struggling for agency, right? Yeah. And this character just seems to. Uh, actually be quite sure of herself and yeah, have mm-hmm. these means and be very capable. Great car. Yeah, That's yeah, a great, great car. Very cool car. And yeah. she has no problem, like, helping Bad Hat out. <laughs> no. It's his own pride that's getting in the way, you know, and that's the entire reason why we kind of get this descent into the criminal underworld is because he can't accept help from this woman. Yes, yeah. I uh, Just speaking about that character um, of Madan, uh, I thought that he seems very uh, interestingly irreverent mm-hmm. to me for uh, about the first three quarters of the movie or so. Uh, so when he first meets uh, Rajni, he mocks her at some length in that really that long scene of making fun of her. Pretty brutal, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you want to what her throat? Cut out her tonsils? Yeah. <laughs> You're murdering children? That was pretty I obnoxious, that. actually. I, I kind of liked it. Oh, boy. I think if the characters hadn't gone on to be what they were in the rest of the movie, I might have just thought, who, who is this guy? That's yeah. fair. But he, I, he's very irreverent. Yeah. Matt was saying he's also much more optimistic, I think, than yeah. most. 
well, I mean, characters. it's notable that this film has a, like, that both these films have positive endings, which you wouldn't see a lot of in, in noir, but is pretty typical of Bollywood, and certainly yeah. from our understanding of this era, because we haven't seen that many movies from this era. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Nina? I loved Nina. I thought she had a lot of depth, but also like a lot of vitality. And I didn't feel, you know, like that the film was getting overly like objectifying towards her character no. who could easily have been objectified. But she's a classic architect. Like she is the, more of a classic architect. The, yeah. uh, the sort of party girl, working girl type who loves our hero, but he likes the other more classy dame yeah. better. Like yeah. that, that happens all the time. And I thought she did a good job. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, she's a bit of an interesting kind of version of that character. Mm-hmm. I actually think that she's the closest to a kind of noir mm-hmm. archetype yes. that I could find in this movie. Yeah, I think A lot so. of songbirds in uh, cafes yes. falling in love with the wrong guy. Well, and in fact, she reminds me of uh, the, char- the title character in Gilda, mm-hmm. at least in terms of her appearance and how she um, is shot uh, by the camera. Yeah, and not her, really in terms of her character arc. But. In her first uh, dance sequence, they really do want to draw attention to her two things. Yeah. Were the two things that were holding up Gilda's dress, according yeah. to Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, did anyone else notice that? Like, they're really drawing attention to the light. Like, there are boobs under this top. <laughs> I was with that costume. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I did pick up on. That. I was aware. Yeah. What was everyone's uh, favorite uh, song sequence? I'm assuming it's one of the ones with Nina. The other song sequences, I didn't think had a lot going for them, but I really liked the umbrella. Yeah, uh, me too. Hey, with umbrella. Hey, hey. <laughs> Just, I'm still I'm running that joke into the ground. Yeah. yeah. Does uh, Does Rihanna? Shit, I don't even know if we were recording the first time I said that. <laughs> does Rihanna? Rihanna own... also has a song about an umbrella. <laughs> does she owe money to Guru Dutt? Yes, that's. And that's the end of the joke. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I, I think that was the best, like the most exciting, like stage number. But I think my favorite, like song, was the one with the tin can on her head. Okay. <laughs> I just really liked the moment in the umbrella one where Nina pops up. All of a sudden, she sort of looms up right in front of the other dancers yeah. with this uh, umbrella and a really jolly expression on her face. Yeah, I, I think I agree with Aaron. I liked the last one better, but my favorite scenes in the whole movie were the the. The boss, who has some sort of microphone set up, sits in the dark with a brazier shooting out smoke. Right. And he's way off in the uh, in the back of this room. And what a wackadoodle setup this is, but it's great. This reminded me so much of uh, like how Terrence Young shoots Blofeld in the early mm-hmm. Bond movies, oh, where yeah, okay. it's the camera that's concealing what the character looks like. Yeah. Like, characters who are in the room. I was actually confused briefly if we were supposed to understand that the other characters in the room knew who he was. Right. Because uh, I don't think Madame meets him. He doesn't go to her house. Like no, he doesn't, he doesn't know who he is. He's just that guy that pays him money. No, well, no. He doesn't put two and two together until they're at the sanatorium. And yeah. he figures out yeah. the voice, right? Yeah, that's how yeah. he figures it out. So apparently, that character is facially totally obscured and it's yeah. totally unclear. But it just reminded me of that same trick of having the camera. Yeah. Hide if he had a cat from on the... his uh, lap, he would definitely be a Blofeld. I was thinking of that, that scene in uh, From Russia with Love, where it's awesome. all shot from behind Blofeld, yeah. Yeah. the sort of henchmen are sort of floating in front of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unsurprising reveal, I think, too, who he turns There's out to be. There's only so many people who could be of importance in the movie. Right? Yeah, it, it's, but it's to... a good twist. I'm no, it's a good one. But still a good it, twist. It feel, it, I, feel, I felt like when it happened, it was very necessary that it be that character. I mean, if it had been 
really anyone else who would have just not yeah. this wouldn't the story wouldn't have advanced in any way. <laughs> did you uh did you like our pal Johnny Walker showing up for a brief moment? He's he's a much bigger deal in CID, but uh um yeah, early Johnny Walker appearance in uh Bozzy. Um I not his given name. I didn't catch it in uh in Bozzy though, which... He's the one he's he's the the pickpocket in C I D. Okay. Who kinda looks like John Waters. And then he oh. also brings the note into jail for Bozzy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I missed him in Bozzy. I mean, it's impossible to miss him in CID, but yeah. uh, I missed him in Bozzy first. Well, sure. yeah, we watched, because you watched Bozzy first, and then yes. CID. Yeah, we, we watched, watched CID, CID first. We were, oh. primed, we were primed for Johnny Walker, <laughs> and then he shows up like, what? He's back? Oh, of course you recognized him, yeah. yeah. He's a huge part of CID. Yeah. 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 Uh, so overall, I think we are all positive on this movie and would recommend yeah, it's, it's it. I, I really liked it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I really did not know what to expect uh, when you sort of pointed me towards this movie, and it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. It, and I think what interested me about it is what you were saying earlier, Aaron, that it feels like a version of film noir mm-hmm. and not simply repeating or imitating yeah. film noir. I do feel like it goes a bit beyond that. Yeah, it yeah. squeezed a sort of... Um, social issues message movie that Bollywood does really well into a noir look, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and yeah, some, it's some narrative like touches. Yeah, it's kind of like meets noir meets Bollywood. Hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. Maybe even CID kind of has that Rome open city street scenes and right. that sort of thing, and a little bit in Bozzi. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all skeptical of the supposed Gilda connection. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm very... I Well, okay. So in the first scene where Nina appears and she's dancing, yeah. I think the camera does a really interesting thing where it at first appears that there is no one in between uh, Madan and Nina dancing, and then the camera slowly reveals that there's this entire nightclub mm-hmm. in between them. And I thought... You know, that's a really interesting technique. I, it does remind me of other kind of um, movies that have sort of tried to erase a line between a performer and an audience um, for plot purposes. And I thought, I wonder if that's how it happened in Gilda. But that's all I can think of. Like, the mm-hmm. most likely yeah. thing I can think is that some of the nightclub dance sequences resemble something like Gilda. So otherwise, I just don't see it. There's yeah. certainly no, like... More erotic underpinnings. No, um, no which love- is like, which is the thing that I kind of think of as being like the that guy in his sword cane, right? Yeah, like the yeah. the subtext. Yeah, <laughs> to text. Of, no, the, the of love Gilda. triangle. Yeah, the love triangle of Bozzi is so totally different. Well, the love uh, square of <laughs> yeah. Bozzi is so totally yeah, different. like it's completely different. Yeah. Sorry, so. I forgot about Rajesh because. Uh, Ramesh Every, comes through with the like last five minutes save <laughs> yeah, of the movie. Right. Yeah, maybe I should do my. He's job. so unimportant until he's suddenly really important. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that takes us to uh, CID, which came out five years later in 1956. And Matt, why don't you? Uh... Can sure. you tell us about CID? CID stands for Crime Investigation Department, as opposed to the other departments that you <laughs> along. Um, and was directed by Raj Kosla. Produced by Gurudat, mm-hmm. stars Devanand as Inspector Shakar, and has Shakila as Rekha, Johnny Walker as Master, no other name given, <laughs> uh, Wahida Rahman as Kamini, and K.N. Singh again, this time as a good guy, as the superintendent of police, and uh, Beer Sakuja as Daramdas, 
another rich weirdo <laughs> who does bad things for no reason. I believe I called them both mobsters. In, yes, in the yes. I intentionally used the same description. Oh well. But uh, yeah, CID um, uh, kicks off with various people being told that they have to take someone out over the phone. Yeah. We're not really sure what's happening. And a editor of a newspaper gets killed. And he's, you know, friends with uh, Inspector Shekhar. Or at least they know each other through work. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shekhar, um, while investigating this case, picks up Johnny Walker as master, who says he was there to do something and just hid during the murder. But it looked like he was just trying to steal a typewriter. It really seemed like that. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, don't trust Johnny Walker alone with your possessions. Yeah. Uh, it's solely on this film. I wouldn't trust him with anything. Yeah. <laughs> Inspector Shekhar actually figures out the murder case pretty quickly in a wonderful scene including disguises and smoking chillum in like an opium den. Fantastic. But the like the real plot of the movie comes as this rich weirdo named Durandas uh, is set up against Shekhar, sets him up as a uh, killer, you know, um, and yeah, it's it's more of a police procedural, definitely, mm-hmm. than yeah. uh, Bozzy. And I think I think what set this one apart for me more was the uh, not being on a set the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought there was some great location shooting, um, great uh, use of uh, possibly night-for-night night photography. It was tough to tell. Yeah, the transfer of this wasn't great. Uh, we watch it on Eros now. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, I... I believe this is probably the best transfer of it that exists, but unfortunately, we have been spoiled by having so many great transfers of so many classic movies. Yeah, um, this one's so, a bit murkier. This, I think this yeah. is just an unrestored. It just seems like a direct transfer. Of I print, think so. Which yeah, is probably the best you can hope for. Yeah. And it's a little places. choppy in places where I think they were cutting out pieces of unusable film. Yeah, the end. Of, there's a couple of ends of scenes that seem to mm-hmm. cut the music off. Quite yeah. Often. And by the, the by, the end there is very quick cutting between people's eyes and you know walking into a room. Something that actually does come up in Bozzy as well during that song that Aaron and I were talking about. There are quick cuts to mm-hmm. eyes and you know uh, because someone's about to get shot. So it's it's very uh, effective in building up tension. But in CID, I felt like that was done unintentionally <laughs> because the film wasn't in great shape. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. On the whole, I think it was very enjoyable. But what did you think, Neil? Um, I, I mean, I really liked this one as well. I don't like it quite as much as Bazi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I there are a couple of things I feel like the treatment of um, showing us that Duramdas is the bad guy and then explaining that he's pretending to be a philanthropist the whole time. I just don't mm-hmm. think is as interesting. It's not a twist, even though it's a fairly obvious twist yeah. in Bazi. It's not a twist, and I think that. You know, if that's the emphasis of this movie, is that more procedural, you know, this man who's been framed uh, thing, which is a really small part of Bozzi, but is a fairly large part of CID. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but I, I don't I don't think it was handled quite as well. But mm-hmm. I, I don't really have anything against CID. I do also, I did also quite enjoy mm-hmm. watching it. What did you think of Anand as hard-boiled detective versus happy-go-lucky gambler? I mean, he definitely has a little bit of stubble on his face and... <laughs> He has the swagger of a detective, but did you really see a difference in the acting between the two? 
you know, in all honesty, uh, I th- I felt like he played the two roles very similarly. Mm-hmm. He plays them both, I think, sort of uh, buoyantly, mm-hmm. right? He and he has that very sort of fresh face. I, I know what you're saying about Stubble. But yeah. He is also he he feels like the kind of person who looks fresh faced even when he has yeah. several days worth Hi. of stubble, yeah. and he just seems very buoyant to me. And I think that that sort of works as the as the inspector, but he does seem less hard-boiled when he's in trouble. I mm-hmm. thought that was mm-hmm. not as effective for me as uh, in the uh, in Bazi. Am I the only one that's confused? What what was the newspaper editor going to publish? What is that? Was it that something this- about Durandas being dirty? Is my guess, oh, okay. but this was not addressed at all. Well, the weird. I thing- feel like the plot of this could have been tighter. Like I just yeah. feel. Yeah. And I mean, I, I will sometimes criticize films for providing too much exposition, but here I felt like there was just a couple pieces of exposition that well, were missing. Well, Neil's right. If we knew Durandus as public figure, and then we figured out, oh, this guy yeah. was going to publish something saying that he's got his hands in all kinds of uh, pies all over town, then we would have understood why it was important to kill the newspaper editor and why we should care about this weird rich guy. Well, it's odd, too, because when the police find the evidence of what the newspaper editor was going to publish... They only find evidence that he was going to expose someone's mm-hmm. corruption, right? Yeah. Which is something that we in the audience have known this entire time because that's what the editor said on the yeah. phone and what he explained to his other reporters. Yeah. And so it does feel like it, it's odd to be in a situation where you know more than the person investigating the crime who's the protagonist of this story. Yeah. So much more than him, in fact. It's like a Columbo episode. It is like a Columbo episode. I, I will say I loved the opening of CID. I yeah. thought that was great. Well, it's showing off the fancy new technology of phones. Yeah. It's gr- <laughs> I love moments like that in movies. Yeah. Uh, what what CID brought to the table that I really like in film noirs is a, uh, um, a femme fatale. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I thought this was Rekka, or was it Kenny? Uh, it's Kami. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Rekka. So that was... That was Rekka's the love interest. Yeah. yeah. So Kamini plays... Well, Kamini is the, the character's name, and she is a interesting femme fatale. Lures, uh, lures Inspector Shekhar to Duramdas's house, as mm-hmm. it turns out. And she, she's got, like, a, she's got great phone behavior. She's like, got, just the way yeah. she she's talks on the, phone, on the phone, yeah. the voice that she has on the phone. There's a fun uh, metaphor about... Uh, you know, I really want to buy this bird. I just want it to shut up and not talk to me. <laughs> I would pay upwards of 50000 I would pay 10000 20000 50000 for this bird to go away. That was a great... I, I agree. She yeah. That character in that scene is so great and acted really well. Yeah, <laughs> that's also just a funny way to try and bargain with somebody. Yes. Like, I would pay you 10000 20000 or $50,000 to go away. Well, then it's funny. When she's talking to her boss afterwards, he says, well, how much do you offer? And she said 50000 And I was thinking, not exactly true though is it yeah. i mean <laughs> yeah this was um if not uh wahida rahman's first role one of her first roles she was discovered by guru Dutt, um and he had cast her in uh piazza and gave her this smaller role in this film to kind of uh work with her a bit hmm. uh to get her comfortable kind of behind the camera and she would go on to be a huge star. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very clear. Like, she she is presence. Yeah, she's magnetic. Yeah. yeah. Something I also... <laughs> My favorite word for, for for people I like watching on screen, magnetic. Magnetic, yeah. yeah. Something I also really enjoyed was a diegetic dance scene. Yes. At, uh, because at one point, uh, Shekhar is trying to track down who killed the editor and jumps into a car where a woman is there. And... Um, 
through a sequence of events, <laughs> they're stuck in the mud, kind of by a river. The you know the murderer is long gone, and uh, the woman has thrown the keys out the window. Yeah. So they're just sitting in the car all night, I guess. And then in the morning, a bunch of women come by to get water to go about their day, yeah. and they sing a wonderful song, which Devonon enjoys with us by just getting out of the car and just checking it out. I noticed that both of these movies had a sort of rural dance sequence, exactly mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Uh, just, is that a, a sort of convention uh, of Bollywood? Is it just a touchstone? I think, yes. You would probably, there would be a lot more people living in rural areas right. like that. Yeah. So this would be to play to people who weren't in the cities. Okay. Yeah. okay. It's certainly something that um, we see from time to time. I mean... My dad's experiences with Bollywood is focused mostly on contemporary Bollywood. This is one of the okay. first times that we've gone into the 1950s. Um, and so while we've read about a lot of the conventions and the pace of things, mm-hmm. it's hard for us to definitively say how different or similar this is to Bollywood films at the time. But mm-hmm. social okay. realism is you know, city and yeah. rural. Yes, yeah. And yeah. I really like the scene in Bazi where he's just walking down the street after being kicked out of... Uh, his father-in-law's car, yeah. let's yeah. say, and just interacting with village folk. And in CID, it's he seems mostly bemused. He's a hard-bitten city type who's just sort of like, okay, I guess, I guess they're going to do this, and we can go. <laughs> I guess this is what happens. Yeah, and this is certainly in a time period when you know films had to really kind of please, have something to please everyone, right? You know, and I think it, it's kind of notable that um, you know Guru Dead is really kind of going for um, stylization. Mm-hmm. Um, that and that's you know I think what kind of set him and you know the films that his name is on apart um, because this is not painting in as broad of strokes as I think um, we expect from this time period of Bollywood. Mm-hmm. It, there's there's subtlety there between the city and yeah. the, and the country and the battle of the sexes, all kinds of things. It, it's I'm thinking about Hollywood movies from the time and I don't think. If the thin man goes home, there's something like that. <laughs> but like that sort of rural city divide would be a lot more stark. Yeah. 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 Whereas this, not so much. Yeah. Or there, there's always those film noirs where the whole thing is built around that tension. You know, someone comes from the city mm-hmm. to a small town or something, or or to a suburb more commonly in the, in this period. But yeah, I mean that that's the whole thematic you yeah. know, axis of the movie is that happening. It's not just one sequence where, yeah. Or mm. this is Anon walks through town. He's like, man, I, I want to get a Coca Cola, and then <laughs> gets back onto his <laughs> exciting, fast paced city life. Yeah, but I think we all agree. Like it's it's a good segue. It it, it is. fits within the film, and it provides I don't know, kind of some contrast and some context. And it provides some needed outside of studio stuff for Bozzy. Yes. Think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I agree. Well, gotta get to it. Who loves Johnny Walker, right? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I liked him. I liked him. I mean, he's the comedic relief. Yeah. Um, but. I, I, I was digging it. Okay. I was apparently telekinetic. I was okay with him up until his flying hat. <laughs> I was fine with everything up until that. And I don't know why that is for me. I don't know why that's the thing that I think... Well, it breaks a certain sense of, like, I mean, I hate this word, but realism. 
it felt like there was no precedent for yeah. that. Like, suddenly we're in a Marx Brothers film? What? Yeah, I mean, the, the musical sequences are not something that you find in film noir, but in these movies, that is very consistent with the yeah. style that that had. And then, and then I just thought, what? what is this? <laughs> he's, uh, he's our lovable audience surrogate. He's so is, wacky. Who's enjoying the plot of the film along with us. I liked him. I look forward to seeing Johnny Walker in, the, in in more movies. But I guess like you and I are also used to like weird segues of comedy in otherwise more serious yeah. films. This is this is something you wouldn't have come across as well. But there, no matter how serious the film is, there is usually a wacky comedic person. Yeah. Well, you know, this is the thing that I found really interesting about these two movies. Not to generalize too much about Bollywood, but the. The number of different tones in them mm-hmm. is much, yeah. much greater than in any, I would say, any Hollywood movie of more or less any type from yeah. this period. And it's really interesting to me because um, it feels like when you're watching Hollywood film noir that it's not it's all going to go off the rails if there's a moment of straight comedy or right. if there's sort of a musical, musical uh, capital M genre kind of moment. Yeah. But... It works in these movies in some way. I mean, maybe it's because I'm not familiar with Bollywood, so I expect it to be different. But I, I do think that it's interesting to have so many different tones. Mm-hmm. So for, for yeah. Johnny Walker's character, whose name is Master, I, that, I don't think it was he, ever mentioned. That's what he goes by, but he says, yeah, you can call me Master. So for his character, it seems like his character is in a reasonably wacky comedy the whole time. (laughs) I mean, there's no moment where, you know, he's beaten to death or something, which I feel like is what would happen in Hollywood. Yeah, he's threatened by thugs at Duran Das' house and told, like, don't testify. And he's sort of funny in that scene. Yeah, he's like, oh, I I for sure won't. (laughs) And then goes up and does some more stuff. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's referred to as the masala. Um, yeah, of, that you find it in oh, the mix of spices and, and, and a little bit of everything. I mean, that's yeah. interesting. And those tonal shifts, and there are definitely films where I think they're a lot more jarring. Yeah, this is actually pretty consistent. But this is one of the reasons why you know, like, I don't like saying that. Um, I wouldn't call either of these films a musical. No, even no. though they have musical elements. Yes, you know, I wouldn't call this film a comedy either. Like, it's a very kind of distinct. Yeah, Bollywood thing. Like when they get it right, they really get it. And here, I think it works. Flying hat aside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to put it in perspective, nowadays when the wacky comic relief character comes in, there's usually like sound effects and a slide whistle. A slide oh, whistle okay. will play that kind of thing. So you know, like, oh, here's the funny guy. Interesting. So yeah. it's, uh, there are also a lot of like character actors. This was pretty subtle, right? Okay, okay. You know what? Fair enough. It was like a Marx Brothers movie, but sure. Yeah, like all you know, Harpo Marx just in a Fritz Lang movie all of a sudden. I like that though. Yeah, like, that's it's yeah. interesting. You like Marx Brothers? You like film noir? We'll put some Marx Brothers in your film. Well, noir. I don't. I mean, we'll I do, put movies in your movie. I do think it really changes the idea of film noir to have other tones within the same movie. Right. I, I do think, like, I mean, that that's not. It's not, uh, I mean, I perceive it as jarring, but it's obviously not, you know, a a mistake or a miscalculation or something. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because it makes you think about what it's like to have such a sort of cynical, despairing genre that's really leavened. It's really lightened up, right? There's really a lot of lighter moments. And then when the story ends happily, you're not kind of like, oh, what a sudden shift in tone, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, you know, fair enough. But it still feels noir. It does. It does. Yeah. You know, yeah. despite kind of the, these these elements that you wouldn't think would work in a noir, like a happy ending. Um, yeah. Which, I, I mean, I, 
I was kind of expecting both of these movies to have negative endings. They probably like, would have the exact they, same ending, actually. Yeah, they were just kind of leading that way, and then I was just kind of surprised I, both times. And yet, I didn't feel cheated. I was thinking in uh, in Bazi where he uh, comes out of jail, and it reminded me of the end of uh, The Third Man, actually, mm-hmm. where you know there's the British uh, cut that fades out yeah. before the two characters catch up to each other, the, the yeah. romantic interest. <laughs> and I was thinking that that would, that would change this movie so dramatically if you ended immediately after he was released from jail. Or she just walks right no by. Romantic. Yeah, she just leaves, just yeah. walks away. End credits. <laughs> I was going over there for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was just walking past this jail. Yeah. It's on my way to work. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm joking. It would be a completely ridiculous other movie, but yeah. I think it says a lot that it... That ending works. It totally works in these yeah. movies, both of these movies. Well, and I like that here the the Quentin Noir protagonist is redeemable in a way that you don't really see yeah. in, in Hollywood. Well, it's not actually about the sort of inescapable, crushing destiny that no one exactly. can, you can fight, but you can't really do anything yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Like the city is kind of corrupt. Like the city ha- has corrupting powers in both of these films, but we see how someone is able to kind of mm-hmm. overcome that, which I think like is a very different message than what you get in Hollywood. Oh, extremely different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this doesn't delve into the police corruption as much as it could. No. Like the, the flip side to this is that most cop movies have a level of police corruption that makes someone who's used to Hollywood movies, someone uncomfortable. Cause something that would be like, you know, this would be the thing that would get you kicked off the force. Taking yeah. someone in the back room, beating the shit out of them. That's just par for the course. Every day is James Elroy in, in, in the, <laughs> in, in the, the Mumbai cops. Where you're, the cops are your heroes and oh, they're wow. being shown as, you know, again, as yeah. your heroes, as being like positive. They're still like beating like suspects up and you're yeah. just like, you, you, like from my perspective, I get really upset about it because hmm. I have such a, like, I, I trust authority. And then like you see these characters who are being, like within the film, are being shown as good guys, and everything about the film is telling you that but they've also good tied guys. a guy to the ceiling and they're beating him with sticks. We got the info out of him, boss. Like, holy wow. shit! <laughs> it's it's that's really interesting. It's really yeah. jarring for me. So yeah, like this. That's the flip side. So would you? Would CIA you... is one of the most positive portrayals of the police force I have seen. Yeah. So would you say that? that without getting into issues of you know how how realistic it is or anything? Would you say that CID is maybe more in line with? Western movies portrayal of the police. Yes. Yeah. As the sort of, you know, like there's corruption, but it's, you know, it's like there's, there's bad apples. Yeah. It's not that there's a basic problem. Yeah. Interesting. But again, like from our limited perspective of what we're seeing. Of course. Of course. Yeah. 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 My uh, even more limited perspective. (laughs) Well, yeah. But yeah, I remember when we started watching Bollywood movies, a lot of the times police brutality is just par for the course. Interesting. And, uh... It really upsets me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't really... So, so it is kind of a kind of James Elroy thing, as you were suggesting, wouldn't yeah. be revisionist. No, it would be like, oh, okay, I'm glad you got that information Classic, out of that guy. old school. Okay, yeah. wow, wow. Throw him out of the car. We gotta so go. We got stuff to do. It's yeah. interesting to me, too, because parts of CID, especially um, the sort of linear procedural parts of the story, reminded me of the sort of factual noirs, like Naked City, 
I right. was thinking white heat a little bit too when yeah. they're using the technology of today to track down this yeah. guy. Yeah, well, there's the scene of the uh, the lab technician, right, confirming mm-hmm. that there was uh, hashish in the uh, mm-hmm. in the cigarette, and it thought, like, which led to my favorite scene, like classic yeah. dragnet in a way. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, it reminded me of of that, although interestingly, no narrator. Yeah, which again, is such yeah. a hallmark of the Hollywood noirs that are you know this is based in fact, and here's yeah. a narrator who's going to tell you what day everything happened because suddenly that matters. Yeah, <laughs> and and we get a lot of narrators yeah. in contemporary Bollywood, so yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. really interesting to me that they kind of like, you know, again they're clearly um, doing their take on this kind of Hollywood film, but that's one of the the aspects that they kind of let go. Yeah, and I mean, in the end, it's it spins out. It's not it's not really like those more kind of tamped down procedural film noirs mm-hmm. at all, but it, it felt to me like it started that way in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one feels a bit shaggier than Bosnia. A little bit, yeah. yeah. But I, I still I still really liked it. I still thought it was really enjoyable. My what my follow-up question, which I also asked about Bosnia, and I don't know if you have an answer to this too, is, so portrayals of drug use on screen oh. is in CID, but would be so beyond the pale yeah because there's any Hollywood movie in this uh, yeah in this underground bar he's doing it Inspector Shikar smokes to fit in right yeah Yeah. um, you will definitely see in like mainstream Bollywood movies um, entire song and dance sequences devoted to drinking bong which is a weed liquor interesting yeah or Chevet which came out like a month ago the main character is just blazing on top of a mountain all yeah. the time before doing awesome mountain stunts. Well, it just, so I would say there is a more, and I am not attitude. entirely sure about you know what drugs are legal and what drugs are right. illegal in I don't India. Know that either. But there is a casualness and a kind of more of a cultural um, yeah. representation of, of different drugs that we yeah. see. Yeah, because I was not, I mean, I wasn't left with the sense of, oh, these movies are more restrained than Hollywood movies, but they mm-hmm. have totally different yeah. <laughs> cultural things going on. So there's no kissing, but drug use, right? Yeah. And something that you would not know about, but Aaron and I were joking about the whole time, is that in modern day Bollywood movies, whenever <laughs> someone smokes a cigarette, note cigarette, not uh, weed, a little uh, note pops up at the bottom of the screen saying smoking is injurious to health. Really? Yeah. yeah. This happens okay. all the time in modern all day movies. All the time. Sometimes oh, whereas in Bozzy, there's got to be like four or five cigarettes in every out. scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes smoking. you have to sit through like five minutes of anti-smoking ads before Well, you a cigarette is a major clue in CID, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 I mean, so, in the wow. 1950s, they wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, but, but now, nowadays... Oh, that's really interesting. Because there's such a problem with uh, people getting cancer from smoking all the time. But so. what's interesting to me about that is that, I mean, in North American society, smoking is also frowned upon yeah. considerably yeah. more now so people don't smoke in movies very much it's going away it's, it's being taken away from uh, um, modern day films I love the it's idea it's being valorized I love the idea of having it in movies and just adding something <laughs> on top that says "Don't." by the way don't do this it seems really <laughs> weird from coming yeah. from a Hollywood perspective but you get used to it yeah, and, yeah. and it, like it a, seems weird not to have it in these. Yeah, and it was a big deal when Ashraya Rai um, when they released promo images for uh, Guza Rish, and she was seen smoking hmm. uh, in the promo images, and like people were upset. Generally, not your hero an and heroine are smoking cigarettes all the time. No, in huh. in your A type films, yeah, in your contemporary Bollywood, yeah. yeah, unless it's a period piece in which they go nuts. <laughs> yeah, Bombay Velvet. 
Exactly. Well, and I, yeah. I mean, I, w- I would say, of course, you know, classic Hollywood film noirs, everyone is yeah. smoking constantly. Well, and there's a kind oh. of when sexual I a, code to it, too. Yes. Yeah. When I did a class on, uh, on Hard Boiled in university, my professor said at the beginning of class, if you are trying to quit smoking, or if you've previously quit smoking, <laughs> Don't take uh, this, this might not be the class for you, because you were going to want to smoke the whole time. There's got to be. And a- I spent a lot of time chatting her up, like when we would, it was a three-hour seminar, so we would take a break, and I would spend a lot of time chatting her up while she smoked outside. I, yeah. There's got to be a super cut online somewhere of those scenes in classic Hollywood movies where the, the cinematographer is just luxuriating in mm-hmm. cigarette smoke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They just love that so yeah. much. Interesting. Okay. Well, I think, uh, I think we've reached the end of our discussion of CID. Does anyone have anything to add? No, I mean, Devin Ond and Guru Dutt, good work all around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I am certainly interested in seeing um, more of their filmography. I mean, they are such legends in in Bollywood cinema and I, I hope we have the opportunity Matt to to kind of return to to both the dot and on I'm sure we will I mean the, it's up to us we could do whatever we in want in the 100 so. years that our podcast will run <laughs> yes yeah but uh yeah so that's we're gonna call that an episode today yeah. so uh Neil where can people find you and your fine podcasting work uh, you should go to Plot Device Pod uh, on Twitter, uh, which should also give you links to uh, how other sites where you can find it. Mm-hmm. You can also go to iTunes uh, and just look for Plot Device Podcast. Uh, I am Neil Politan, which is N E A L P O L I T A N. It's a good pun. It's the dinosaur. Yeah. If you're seeing a dinosaur, yeah. it's a dinosaur. You're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and which please as well, right? Yes, and I appear irregularly on which please, and I I don't even know if I'm going to be on the next episode or two episodes from now or three. Hmm. I truly don't know. I'm only a guest. Isn't that but great it, though? It's by far the most popular thing I'm involved <laughs> with. So yeah, yeah. But the release schedule for that one. Really Give plot device yeah. some time. It's like the numbering system. Yeah. The release schedule is not regular. Yeah. At yeah. all. But no, thanks so much for having me. And thanks for oh, introducing thank you for me. Thank to you for coming on. Bollywood Noir. I'm so interested in this genre now. Yeah, if you want more recommendations, let us know. Thanks so much. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can find us all over the interwebs, Matt. Where can you find us? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Bollywood Pod. You can find us on Facebook. Just look up Bollywood is for Lovers. You can find the Tumblr, bollywoodisforlovers.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Those are the two places you can hear the show. As well as Audio Boom, our home. As well as Audio Boom, our home base. Uh, and uh, what are we doing next week? Uh, well, you can also follow us on Twitter personally. Uh-huh. I am at Ernie Fraser, E-R-N-E, F-R-A-S-E-R. I am a... A little princess reading the Ramayana. <laughs> yes, and I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-S. As previously mentioned, me eating a Big Mac. <laughs> yes. uh, we will be back in two weeks, and we will be looking at the films of Aditya Chopra. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two films that uh, we haven't discussed yet, because, man, for like such a big director, he has a very short filmography of movies he's actually directed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know... We might get to talk and this more is about going that. With uh, yes, so yeah. uh, his latest film, Beffa Gray, is coming out to much fan for. We may or may not have the time to see it before we record our next episode. On the docket for that episode is Mohabbatan, which I believe is the first film to have Shahrukh Khan and Amitabh Bachchan in it. Ooh. Yes. Um, and we'll also be looking at Rab Nevana D. Jodi, uh, another Shahrukh Khan film in the first appearance of Anushka Sharma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so look for that in two weeks. Yep, and thank you very much for listening.